Hello, this is Brian Volkweiss, and I'm the founder of the Nacelle Company and the director of the Center Seat, 55 years of Star Trek, and you are listening to and or watching Trek Untold with my good friend, Matthew Kaplowitz. We have a jam-packed episode today with a slightly different format than usual, so I'm going to take advantage of that slight little weirdness to chat about something else before we meet our guest. Last week was one of those rare historic moments in Star Trek history because a brand new series just landed, and that would be Star Trek Prodigy. They just had their series premiere on Paramount Plus last Thursday, and I wanted to give some quick, spoiler-free thoughts on it. The main one being that this is the best Star Wars Rebels spinoff I've ever seen. Okay, right, so that was a little bit snarky, I know, but honestly, that was my main thought as I watched the first episode, but don't worry, I got plenty more than just that. But to be blunt, and not brunt, because that's a different show, this cartoon really does look and feel way too much like Star Wars right now, and not enough like Star Trek. The character design, the aesthetics, even the fact that they literally use the word Rebels in the show, and have a bad guy who looks pretty darn similar to General Grievous. But as much as I'm complaining here, it admittedly does look really great. The cartoon looks awesome, the animation is excellent, and I do like the way everything looks. But it does feel a little bit contrived in this first outing, because it is so close to Star Wars Rebels. And unlike the first time I watched Star Wars Rebels, I found the main character to be kind of unlikable for really like the first two acts in this episode, but he eventually did win me over along with the rest of the characters, and of course, by the way, Murph is the best. But yeah, as things got going, I definitely got more into it. The first episode moves along at a pretty brisk pace, and once it finally does find its speed and finds its footing, it starts to really become some engaging actual Star Trek and not Star Wars Rebels light. Like I said, the rest of the characters are all pretty interesting, and I can't wait to see what they're going to do next and what, how they're going to really develop all these characters. And I also hope that it doesn't maintain this kind of Star Wars feel. But I also know that it's what Paramount thinks kids want. And you know what? Honestly, if that's how to get new Trekkies on board for Star Trek, then let's do this. Let's get them a taste of this, and then we'll start getting them into the true Trek. As far as debuts go, the show has my attention, but now I just want to see if they can actually keep my interest which I'm confident that they can, but overall, I want to say if you're on the fence about checking Prodigy out, uh, I would say give it a shot, but it also wouldn't hurt to wait until maybe a few more episodes are released. Then you can binge a bunch and get a better idea of really whether or not you actually like the series, because in my opinion, Star Trek shows they are kind of best viewed in a big group to begin with. So overall, Star Trek Prodigy is off to a pretty decent start. I'm pretty sure it's going to pick things up as they start moving along. But that's it for my Prodigy talk. Let's jump into this week's guest right now, and that will be Brian Volk Weiss. Brian's the man who powers the ship over at the Nacelle Company, a production company he founded that has made some amazing TV and docu-series that you probably know, along with a lot of comedy specials, too. Brian's list of work includes The Toys That Made Us and The Movies That Made Us over on Netflix, Down to Earth with Zac Efron, Inside the Attraction on Disney+, Plus, A Toy Store Near You on Amazon Prime and YouTube, and much, much more, including an enormous list of comedy specials, as I mentioned, that really I could spend probably an hour just listing alone. But he's worked with a true who's who of comedians out there, and chances are you've probably seen his work if you've watched anything on Comedy Central, any comedy specials on Netflix and Amazon Prime. He's got his fingers in all of that stuff. But more importantly for this show, Brian is a lifelong Trekkie. And if you're watching the video version of this interview, you're going to see part of his enormous wall of toys, which includes some very rare Star Trek merchandise. 
So today, Brian's here to discuss an ambitious project that premieres this week and one that is very near and dear to his heart, and I'm going to assume, if you're listening to the show, all of you as well. The Center Seat 55 Years of Star Trek debuts on November 5th on the History Channel and is a 10-episode series from the Nacelle Company that chronicles the origins and history of every iteration of Star Trek ever. No stone was left unturned, as the show features interviews with the stars, the guest stars, directors, producers, writers, behind-the-scenes crew, and Trek historians to discuss every Star Trek TV show, film, and yes, even the original series animated cartoon. Now, I had a chance to see the first episode of The Center Seat, which, by the way, I should also mention, is narrated by Gates McFadden. And I gotta tell you guys, this show is everything fans, old and new, are gonna want to learn about. If you're a fan of the untold stories of Trek on this podcast, then The Center Seat is gonna be giving you a lot of things that you've never heard before. And that's very exciting to know that even after 55 years, there are still new tales and new stories to tell from this franchise. And The Center Seat is gonna really be a very fun and informative ride. My expectations were high, and I think the show absolutely delivered. I'm pretty sure you're going to feel the same way. I want to add also that Brian only had about 30 minutes to do an interview because he's, well, a busy guy. He's running a company, after all. And he also had a lot of other press interviews to do to promote this new show. However, as you regular listeners know, I never like an episode to be short. And 30 minutes, that is just way too short for Trek Untold. So included in this episode are going to be clips from the New York Comic Con 2021 panel that Brian and his company did which was basically talking about a lot of stuff we didn't get a chance to discuss in our interview. So that's going to include a few other things about the center seat, as well as some of the other shows that he's been working on, and a few other new exciting business ventures that toy collectors especially are going to want to hear. Basically, I want to make sure that you get the full story on the center seat, and more importantly, also learn as much as you can about Brian Volkweiss, the Nacelle Company, and all the really, really cool stuff that they are working on that's going to be happening in 2022 and beyond. But most of all, I want to make sure you guys know clearly that Brian Volkweiss is a lifelong Trekkie, and the center seat is his love letter to a franchise that has grown up with him and that now he gets to be a part of. So let's go ahead and meet Brian Volkweiss and learn all about the center seat. But before we begin this week's episode, I want to remind you about the different ways that you can support Trek Untold. If you're in a position to help us financially, we have a Patreon page at patreon.com slash trekuntold, where you can support us for as little as $2 a month. Joining at higher levels allows you to have early access to the latest episodes, knowing in advance who our guests will be before anybody else finds out, or even the chance to submit questions to some of those future guests, and maybe your question might be heard on that episode. Shout out to our sponsor, Triple Fiction Productions, who create 3D printed toys and prop replicas inspired by Star Trek. Their items come in all shapes and all sizes and are always amazing, but you're going to hear a little bit more about them later on in the show. But most importantly, I need you to leave a review and rating on iTunes or wherever you're listening to Trek Untold. Five-star ratings and positive reviews help this show pop up when new listeners search for Star Trek podcasts and make sure that they know they're listening to something that is worth their time. If you're watching this episode in video format on YouTube, please leave a thumbs up, share the video, and of course, comment there as well. Interacting on all these platforms is a guaranteed way to spread the word about Trek Untold. So if you've been a fan of this show, please do take action in whatever way you can and help make sure that Trek Untold can reach more listeners just like you who are going to love this type of content. And don't forget to follow us on our social media pages, which includes Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. All you need to do is type in at Trek Untold on any of those platforms, search for us that way, and you will find us just like that. You can also watch the video version of this episode on our YouTube channel, which you can subscribe to at youtube.com slash nerdnews today. The video versions are released on Sundays, so the audio version will always come first, but if you prefer watching it, that's the way to do it. We also do a lot of other Trek-related content there, including toy and book reviews and plenty of other stuff, so you might want to take a look too, just so you can indulge and get yourself a new daily dose of Trek nerddom, however way you like to get it. 
Now, without further ado, let's bring in this week's guest and get this episode started. Computer, beam in this week's guest. And we are back on Trek Untold. And now joining us on the other side of the screen, we have the CEO of Nacelle Company, the executive producer of the toys that made us, the movies that made us, Inside the Attraction, Down to Earth with Zac Efron, a whole ton of comedy specials, and now The Center Seat, a new series on the History Channel that is an in-depth look at Star Trek. Very excited to talk about this today. Mr. Brian Volkweiss. Brian, how's it going today? Good. Long time no see. I know. I think you now hold the record on my YouTube channel for like most interviews I've done with, this, with the same person. And I'm, I, I learn Woo! new stuff every time I do it. So it's really cool to have you here again. On, and now I'm, finally on Trek I'm, Untold. I'm your Jim Gaffigan. Uh, Jim Gaffigan, <laughs> we just shot his, uh, it's our seventh special with him in a row. So I'm, I'm your Jim Gaffigan. That is a weird analogy, but I'll take it. Uh, so, all right. Yeah. So let's just jump right on in, Brian. And I got to ask you the question that I've asked for all my guests ever on this show. Uh, what is your earliest memory of Star Trek? My earliest memory is sitting on a, a, a chairlift at Jiminy Peak Ski Resort. Uh, and I don't know if it was, it's a resort now. It was not a resort in the 80s. It was just a ski area. And my mom telling me about Star Trek and what it was and watching it when she was a little girl. That's, that's my first memory. My second memory uh, is being uh, probably more horrified than I ever have been in my entire life before or since uh, watching the SETI eel uh, crawl into uh, Chekhov's ear. Uh, and it may have been worse watching it crawl out. I'm not sure. But uh, those those are my two earliest memories. I got to tell you that SETI eel is still really disturbing, even though like the special effects don't age well, but it's still pretty damn disturbing to watch that. First of all, I will dispute that vigorously. I, I think the special effects are fantastic. I mean, absolutely. If you didn't know how they did it, it's a jumpy Zoom. I get it. But like, other than that Zoom being clunky, which they could fix in 20 minutes with CGI now, uh, like I, I think it absolutely holds up. That is, I mean, horrifying. And it's funny, I was when I was talking to um, Nicholas Myers and when I was talking to, oh, I'm so embarrassed. What's the producer's name? Um, please cut this out. I don't, I don't, uh, anyway, just if you can cut that out, please cut that out. I feel bad. Um, but um, I mean, I pointed out, I'm like, it's not just violent and crazy for a Star Trek movie. Like, even the disintegration of Captain Terrell, like that is other than that one bonkers thing where the guy's head explodes uh, in the second season of Next Generation. I mean, that is the most violent phaser anything in all of Star Trek. And then you have the SETI eel and it's like, uh, OK, uh, like, yeah, it's like really violent. It's really interesting. Interesting and violent. That's what we like to talk about here on Trek Untold. I'd like to know a little bit more, too, about your background. You know, as I mentioned, we've talked a lot of times on my channel now, and that's usually been about shows you've worked on. I don't really know anything. I don't really know anything about you personally. So uh, I'd love to know, you know, where you grew up, what your parents did, and what little Brian Volkweiss wanted to be when he grew up. It's funny. When you said background, I thought you meant the toys behind me. I will get to that. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, the cliff notes are the cliff notes. I mean, born and raised uh, Queens, New York. Uh, my dad uh, worked for the IRS in the Treasury Department. My mom 
uh, was a microbiologist. Um, I've been, I mean, it's the luckiest break of my life other than meeting my wife is uh, I was at the perfect age when I saw Star Wars. And um, I, I, I didn't know the word documentary when I was three. But if you look at how my mom said I was behaving, I basically thought Star Wars was a documentary. And when she bought me a book that was like written for five-year-olds showing how it was a movie, you know, Darth Vader's helmet was off. The Death Star was five feet wide, not the size of the moon. Ever since I read that book, this is all I've ever wanted to do was be in show business. So, yeah, I've kind of known this since I was three years old. And you've been pretty deep into show business fairly early on in your career. I mean, I think a lot of your career up until uh, something we'll talk about in a few minutes has been basically in the comedy world and doing a lot of comedy specials. And I saw that one of your earliest specials was actually the guy we haven't talked about on the show ever. And I really want to hear something about him. You produced an episode of a comedy show with Yakov Smirnov. I got to learn. What is this dude like in real life? You know, he is very, very, very kind and nice. And you may be surprised to hear this. You probably think this is every comedian, but it's not. It's actually the exception to the rule. I think all comedians are geniuses. Like you can't, any comedian who's making a living telling jokes and they don't have another job, they need to be even a low level genius, but you need to be a genius to do what they do. But they're usually not that funny off stage. So the thing which is really cool about Yakov is like, he's really funny, like on conference calls, on Zooms, like he's really, really funny. But my real strongest memory of him is um, he's just, he's very nice and he's very kind and he's very sweet and he's very thoughtful. All right. So Brian, let's jump into the center seat now. So what is the story about getting this show made? And really, I think my big question is, how long has this been in the back of your mind? Because I know you are a hardcore Trekkie. So this must be like one of those things you've wanted to do for years. Yeah, I mean, I it's 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 funny, man. It's like it's one of these situations where it was like a lot of stars had to line up for uh, for it to happen. I would say the first star was Toys That Made Us um, because the Toys That Made Us, it gave our company like a brand identity. So that's made everything easier since Toys That Made Us came out. That's the first thing. The second thing is, you know, we had done, um, you know, this the 50th anniversary for History Channel. And due to the fact that it was only two hours and it really, after commercials, was only about an hour 37 and some other reasons I don't want to get into, uh, it didn't come out the way I wanted it to. So I'm actually not too happy about it. So if I'm being honest, so I always wanted to try again. And I kind of tried again a little bit on the Star Trek episode of Toys That Made Us, but that was an episode about toys. So I really couldn't do what I wanted to do. So this was my attempt to do what I wanted to do. And that is... I like, I love Ken Burns. Like I've always been obsessed with him, like since Gettysburg. And I, I wanted to do my version of Gettysburg, but for Star Trek. And when I was pitching the show, that's how I pitched it. 
I got to watch an advanced screener of that first episode, and I'm glad you said, like, you know, this Ken Burns kind of feel to it, because it really does feel, you know, it's it's very much a Nacelle Company production, but it feels different. It feels, like, a little bit more in-depth than what I've seen normally from you guys. Uh, you're going really into a lot of the, the the macro details, if you will, of the Star Trek history, and I love that. I'm excited to see that. Yeah, the other thing I was saying to your point uh, when I was pitching the show is, here's what the show is. It starts with Lucille and Jean turning the lights on, and it will end with Berman turning the lights off. Like that was the era I wanted to cover. So, you know, we talked about the next generation movies. We talked about the JJ films and discovery and everything, and we're going to do them. I mean, we're in production right now, but um, I just, I didn't want to sacrifice by being overly ambitious. So we really, um, we really, really tried to do a limited thing, which is ironic because it's 10 episodes. It's not that limited, but like, I didn't want to shortchange the animated series. I didn't want to shortchange Star Trek five and six. Like I really wanted to do the deep dive that I've always wanted to see. So when did you actually start filming this thing? Cause I mean, was this done during the pandemic? It was greenlit during the pandemic. It was shot entirely during the pandemic. Wow. Uh, and like I said, we're still working on it right now. So uh, it was made 100% during the pandemic. So how do you go about actually shooting a show like this? I mean, are you there in person? Do you have a team? I've seen some stuff that you did with the toys that made us that involved like a remote setup. But, uh, you know, how are you filming during like one of the craziest times in American history? Center seat was probably 75% we shot in real life with a crew. And 25 to 30% we shot with the remote kits. As we were shooting and the, you know, when we started shooting, there was no vaccine. As the vaccine came out and as everything else started happening. So I would say the first third of production was almost entirely remote kits. But then as time went on, uh, it started becoming more and more in person. But we also did hybrids. So like, for example, and I think we'll be doing this to the end of time, um, you know, when I interviewed um, uh, Kate Mulgrew, we had a crew in her New York apartment, but I did the interview over Zoom. You know, I did the same thing with Kirstie Alley in Florida. So it's, um, but then I interviewed Denise, you know, Crosby in, uh, you know, our studio in Burbank. So it, we went to Rick Berman's house. So every everyone was different. So your docu shows have a very distinct format and usually a very unique, humorous voice to all of them. You guys usually mix some narration VO with some talking head interviews and sound bites from various clips of shows or films or whatever. Uh, so it's a pretty lighthearted, flowing way of doing a documentary. I think it kind of changed the format too for how a lot of folks look at documentaries and how they judge docu series. Uh, you know, it, it seems very complex too when you compare it to a typical reality show, which is usually just like talking head interview, B roll. That's the whole thing. So, you know, I'm, I'm really curious about hearing what is the typical process of creating an episode the way that you guys make a show? Because it is so different. Well, it always starts with the research. We usually do two to four months of research. Then we do pre interviews uh, in a pretty crazy way. We usually do two pre-interviews before the main interview so that by the time we're actually doing the real interview, it's actually the third time we're interviewing that person. So the first interview is verbal. It's not recorded. 
the second interview is almost always recorded. Like it's down and dirty. It's like, you know, with a Skype or Zoom or a Facebook watch or whatever. Uh, And then we cross reference all the information we get so that by the time we do the actual interview, um, we already kind of know like who said what, who was where, so we can actually ask more and better questions. While we're doing the actual interview, we take notes. All of this information goes to the story producers and the editors. They then working with the edit note and literally like I'm always frantically taking notes during interviews because I send those notes to the editors to make sure they pull stuff that I want pulled that I know is important to me. So then they take all of their stuff, all of those notes combined with the fact that we've already hired editors from the beginning that have comedy backgrounds and are also very they're very smart people. So they're able to combine the humor with the pathos to make the episodes the way we like to make them. And then on top of all of that, um, you know, we then just, you know, we usually do three to 10 rough cuts of every episode until we get it right. And it's very time consuming and it's extremely expensive. It seems like it's a lot of prep work, but it definitely pays off. I mean, the shows always look great and they're always just full of information. So I'm glad I now know the the secrets, if you will, behind the Nacelle Company's production. It's a simple secret. It's just hard work. Yeah. So on the center seat, you guys interviewed, you know, a ton of folks who have performed in Star Trek. You've still you've spoken to a ton of folks who know the history about Star Trek. But I'd like to know, you know, who is someone that you spoke to that you were surprised even said yes to you? Or maybe, you know, who was someone that you were just completely starstruck with and you got in the same room with them? Nothing will ever take away from Nicholas Meyer. I mean, it, it, even telling you this story, I could start to tear up, but he wrote the words that changed my life. Um, it's literally in my will that on my tombstone, it'll say, I don't believe in the no-win scenario. And he, he wrote those words. So I've interviewed him before. So, but this was the first time I like really interviewed him for a long time. It was like a very long interview. And at the end of the interview, um, you know, I tried to just say to him what I just said to you. And I started crying. I literally started crying, like not tearing up. I mean, I I literally started crying because I was trying to thank him. You know, everything, if anybody views anything I've done as successful, including my marriage, by the way, I would say it comes from those words. I don't believe in the no-win scenario. I don't, by the way, I don't mean I need to live by that in my marriage. I mean, meeting my wife and everything. That's what I mean. Uh, but um, but that being said, um, I started crying and I was a little embarrassed. And I was like looking down because I was embarrassed. And then I looked up and he was crying too. And I don't like not tearing up. I mean, he was crying and I was crying. And uh, it was embarrassing and weird. Uh, and then I noticed half the crew was crying. So it it was a uh, I mean, nothing, nothing will ever beat that. And again, I wasn't in the same room with Kirstie Alley, but I mean, her interview blew my mind. Like I have conservatively seen Star Trek two three or four hundred times. Like I, I I look at the movie completely differently now because of her interview and like that. That's the kind of stuff we're trying to do with the show is like really show people something they're familiar with in a whole new way. And kind of a follow up to that. And I don't know how much you want to give away about future episodes, but 
What's something that you learned about Star Trek that you never knew before? First of all, quite a bit. Like, for example, I didn't know anything about the animated series. In fact, to be honest with you, when the show was greenlit, I think I'd only seen three or four episodes. So I'm not. It's a pretty mysterious show. There's not really much out there about it. Yeah. And we have an entire episode dedicated to it. The second episode is only about the animated series. Within reason, dude, everything in that episode was new information. But, you know, I'll tell you something that a lot of people may know, but I didn't know. Um, Like, are you do you know Denise Crosby's last on screen appearance before she came back is like a Vulcan, the waving thing? I do. I remember seeing that and I didn't know about the story. Then I saw it. I was like, wait a minute, what's going on in the background there? So I do know about that. I didn't know about that. Like, I'm almost embarrassed. Like, I'm a bad Trekkie that I didn't know that. So I learned that from her. There's no such thing as a bad Trekkie, Brian. Just got to keep watching the shows a few more times. That's all. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I like I like your point of view on that. Um, again, just I keep going back to Kirstie Alley because, oh, my God. I mean, she told a story about she basically told a story at the beginning of the interview where she was like, you know, I came to Hollywood to be Vivian Lee. Like the whole reason I was an actress, I became Vivian Lee. And, you know, she always tells a story about how her father was a Trekkie and she grew up with Star Trek. And that's true. She, that is true. But I don't think she was the biggest Trekkie in the world. And I don't know about her dad because she also said when she booked the part, she didn't completely understand what a Vulcan was until she was on set and then she realized a Vulcan is the polar opposite of Vivian Lee. So she said, she was like, yeah, so I started doing everything possible to, you know, bring out, you know, here I was this very young, very beautiful actress and, you know, they got me covered in this uniform, you know, feet to neck. Like it was like no makeup, no this. And I did everything I could to change that. And I'm like, I said to her, I go, what do you mean? Like, what's an example of that? And I'll never forget this. She goes, Brian, you never noticed in your 300 times of watching Star Trek 2 that the first time you see Savick, her hair's back and no makeup. And the last time you see Savick, her hair's down. She's wearing eyeshadow. She's got mascara. She's got eyelashes on. You never noticed that? And I go, no, Kirstie, I I never did. She goes, you never noticed I was in a skimpy bathrobe in the elevator. You never thought you ever see anyone else in a bathrobe and all of Star Trek. I'm like, no, I, I, I never thought of that before. And I've given away enough. But long story short, she gets much deeper into all of that. And there, I mean, you'll see in the trailer, she says that they offered her less money for Star Trek three than Star Trek two. If you watch the episode, you'll understand why they offered her less money. And it's directly connected to the turbo lift scene. All right. Interesting. So something to look forward to. That's a heck of a tease here. Um, yeah. And by the way, folks, I want to mention that uh, Gates McFadden investigates the podcast that you guys do with her. Uh, that's going to be now becoming the after show of the center seat. Also starting, I guess, after that first episode. Airs no, no, no. Week. That's a completely different show. Like, it, okay. it's like, yeah, Gates is Gates has her own show. This is a completely different show specific to center seat all right well my question about that was is there going to be more podcasts like denise crosby investigates or is there going to be a second season well i'll tell you a crazy thing if people like the first 10 episodes which is all we're scheduled to make i'm going to tell you something crazy i hope you're sitting down we will make more if people do not like them i hope you're still sitting down 
we will not make more. So I don't want to make a show that people don't like. But if they like it, of course, we'll make more. We love doing it. That's like the equivalent of the Brian Vogt classic quote, stay tuned, basically. <laughs> exactly. Well, no, this is a little more like when I say stay tuned, that's usually about politics and business I can't talk about. Yeah. In this case, it's it's up to the public. Like, I never want to assume uh, for a lot of reasons that the public's going to like what we're doing. So if they do like what we're doing, we will be honored and have fun making more. If they don't, we will not. Now, for folks who are watching the video version of this episode, they're going to be seeing this great wall of toys behind you. So it's pretty clear that Brian is a true toy collector. He's got an amazing collection. If you've ever watched any episodes of some of the shows he's been the host of, you'll see like that that stuff, that wall of toys you have is just beyond insane. But, uh, you know, for our Trek audience today, what are some of the best Star Trek pieces of merchandise you have in your collection? Well, the number one most important piece in my entire collection of any brand, of any canon or whatever you want to call it, um, it's a tie. Um, the Star Trek piece is my 1979 Constitution refit Ertl model, where I, you can still see I hand painted the impulse drive and painted running lights on the because uh, when you bought it, it was like a black piece of plastic, and I tore that off, put putty in, and painted it blue. So that's and then the other one, not that it matters, is my personal R two D two from when I was about five. Um, so that's like I said, that those are the like in California now. You get to evacuate your house every year because of fires. So when we first had to evacuate three years ago, those were pretty much the only two things I took. Um, but if we're broadening it out, I mean, I got so I got. I got the original series communicator garage door openers. I got the Star Trek one motion picture phaser battle game like that. Like, I don't even understand why it was made. I mean, I love obscure products. I got this crazy rock that you can shoot with a phaser to make it light up. It's like a mood rock. Like the more I got Spock, I got an entire display up there of Spock earrings. Like I love obscure, but another thing I love, I'm glad I thought of this. I got a mug. I have a Star Trek seven mug. And that's, uh, that was made as an internal paramount promotional piece. I believe they are. I think there's less than 50 known to exist. And it was literally like Rick Berman or somebody made these mugs to like get everybody at Paramount excited about doing Star Trek seven, which would have been in many ways, creatively similar to JJ's 2009. Um, and I literally got that at a thrift store in Burbank uh, for like, like a couple bucks. And I mean, what it's worth is insane, but forgetting even about the money involved, Oh my God, do I love looking at that thing. All right, so Brian, I know you guys have a lot coming up here in the future. I'm going to actually post some audio from our NYCC video because I saw you guys at New York Comic Con. So that's going to fill in everybody on what you guys are doing next because there's a whole lot of exciting things. But uh, last thing for today, what is the best thing about being a part of the Star Trek universe? I mean, it's... First of all, I got to be honest with you, I don't consider myself to be a part of it just because I'm making documentaries about it. I, I don't think that's fair to the thousands of men and women who have, and I appreciate the compliment. I, I, I please don't think I'm, uh, I, if anything, I'm just splitting hairs, but 
uh, you know, I'm a documentarian every now and then, and we're just reporting on what happened. But to answer your question, I mean, meeting these people, I mean, getting to ask, you know, Denise Crosby or, uh, you know, like the most random of questions I've had for three decades, you know, getting to tell Nicholas Meyer how his typewriter changed my life. There's nothing better. And I'm not really aware of any profession that gets to do that on a regular basis. So it is it is very lucky and a genuine honor uh, that we get to do this. Well, I'm going to beg to differ like you did earlier with my city eel comments. I think that you are a pretty critical part of the Star Trek universe now because you're the storyteller, you're the historian, you're the archivist. And I think it's very important what you're doing to make sure that everybody's stories continue to get told. I mean, that's what I like to do here in this podcast, too. And that's what you're doing. That's what you're doing at a much higher level. So, uh, you know, thank you, Brian, for doing the center seat. And folks, you can check out the first episode November 5th on the History Channel. So make sure you do that. Uh, Brian, thank you so much for being here. Appreciate all your time today. Thank you, man. Good to see you. As always, thank you for the support. Trek Untold will return momentarily. Trek Untold is brought to you by Triple Fiction Productions. Triple Fiction Productions produces affordable and unique 3D printed Trek inspired products from the original series, Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, Enterprise, and the movies. Ranging from prop replicas to use in a fan film or cosplay, to accessories or playsets for figures in all different sizes, Triple Fiction Productions has got you covered. Past pieces for toys have included large centerpieces like 10 Forward from the Enterprise D, shuttlecrafts complete with working lights, and the Voyager Bridge, with smaller pieces including Borg alcoves, the Genesis device, and the dreaded arch-enemy of Worf, barrels. All highly detailed products are 3D printed and hand-painted in the USA, with new items added all the time, while simultaneously improving their printing quality based on fan feedback. To learn more about their products, visit triple-fictionproductions.net or visit them on Facebook at facebook.com slash triplefictionproductions. Want to get 10% off your next purchase? Use code UNTOLD10 at checkout to receive this discount. Not applicable during sales or clearance events. That's code UNTOLD10 to get 10% off action figure dioramas, accessories, and prop replicas. Triple Fiction Productions, taking Star Trek where no 3D printer has gone before. Hi, I'm Armin Schimmelman. And I'm Kitty Swink. 17 years ago, I was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. I didn't know it at the time, but I had a 4% chance of surviving five years. As her husband, I was very scared. But he never let me see that. You are a rock. Thank you. Thank you. Pancreatic cancer is the third leading cause of cancer-related deaths in the United States, with a five-year survival rate of just 10%. We want it to be much higher. Much higher. It's 6% better when I was diagnosed, but not high enough. More than 60,000 Americans are estimated to be diagnosed with pancreatic cancer in 2021, and more than 48,000 will die from the disease. Because symptoms are often vague, it can be hard to detect. Like the rest of the world, the Star Trek universe has been struck repeatedly by pancreatic cancer. Not only those of us that work on the show, but our fans around the world as well. It is why we came together with so many others to work with the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network, the leading patient advocates committed to fighting the world's toughest cancer. PanCan is working hard to create better outcomes for this devastating disease through its groundbreaking research and early detection and better treatment options. PanCan drives progress by funding life-saving research, 
providing personalized patient services, and creating a community of supporters and volunteers who will stop at nothing to create a world in which all pancreatic cancer patients will thrive. You can help support their important mission by donating at pancan.org today. We donated. Won't you do so too? Please, make it so. We now return to Trek Untold. A few weeks ago, I went to New York Comic Con 2021, which was the first large-scale Comic Con in the country to happen since the pandemic began. An estimated 140,000 vaccinated people attended the event, a number significantly smaller than the previous two years that saw 250,000 Congors fill the Jacob K. Javits Center. It was nice to feel a little normal again after two years of not going to cons, and a relief to see cosplayers from all sorts of franchises dressing up, celebrities autographing things, browsing at all sorts of stuff I shouldn't be buying, and yet I was, and even being part of insanely long lines that not even a pandemic could shrink. I especially missed going to panels and sitting side by side with my fellow nerds, and one of those panels I attended was for the Nacelle Company. Boldly Going Forward in Pop Culture was the name of the panel and featured key members from the Nacelle team, including moderator Victoria Bennett, Richard Myrick, toy designer David Bonner, and this week's Trek Untold guest, Brian Milkweiss. They gave us sneak peeks at upcoming shows and documentaries, including the one we discussed today, as well as some new ventures like podcasts, books, and even toys of their own. So here is a condensed version of that panel, and please excuse the sound quality of this because it was recorded using the natural sound of the room and not the microphone feed. So it's a bit rough, but still worth listening to. So without further ado, here is the Nacelle Company panel from New York Comic Con 2021. Take it away, Victoria. Welcome to the Cell Company, boldly going forward in pop culture. I am your guide for these vast new IPs. Join me and ponder the question, how do you toy? What's up, everyone? I am, I am Bevan. I am your guide for these vast new IPs. To my left, say hi, Rich. Hi, Rich. Tell the kids at home uh, what your fancy title is at the Nacelle Company. I'm the VP of Content Strategy at Nacelle. Um, kind of a resident nerd position and um, uh, juggle a few different hats, but it's all stuff that we'll be talking about on this panel. Uh, to my left is War Machine. Incomparable David Bonner. I am David Bonner. Hello, guys. How are you? Uh, I am a, a, a chief creative officer and tour guy at Nacelle and uh, bringing all the fun and dreams to you guys. It's actually an accurate, uh, highly accurate analysis of what it comes to. It's my life. Uh, Brian Goldweiss, CEO. There you go. A CEO shit. CEO and founder. That's the official title. CEO and founder. 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 Flounder. Yes, yes. Yeah, founder from The Little Mermaid. CEO and the founder. So a lot has changed since a year and a half ago. I mean, there was there was a, a lockdown and shutdown. You were at a particular point. What has changed since coming out and going into 2021 for you, Brian? Well, the, I mean, the main thing that changed, and it wasn't necessarily 2020 to 2021, the main thing that changed was Toys That Made Us came out. That was the first show. We had made a lot of shows before that, that, um, you know, like anybody, we had bills to pay. And uh, toys that made us, uh, I'm a toy collector since I was like five or three, and that was the first show we ever made that was like very personal to me, and that was the first show we ever did that seemed to resonate with the population of our planet, 
Uh, also, uh, got a second season. We had never made a show before. Uh, we sold dozens of shows before Toys That Made Us. Not a single one got a second season. Every show we made since Toys That Made Us has received a second season. So basically, everything we're doing now, it's like, it's just what we're passionate about. We have a show coming out in about a month all about Star Trek called The Center Seat. We like Star Trek. We do a show for Disney Plus called The Information. We like Disney shit. So, everybody gets here. Behind the attraction. I don't want to get in trouble. I'm like, power on. All these parents glaring at me. Uh, all right, I don't see any kids. But yeah, so we used to do what we could to pay the bills. Now uh, we do what we want because we like it. We just hope. We all like it too. So lay out for me what's all on our slate right now, because you guys got a lot of going on. We have four or five things in production right now, or on the air right now. We have three shows coming out, including this month in three months, which is the first for us. So this, uh, like a week and a half, we got Movies That Made Us Season 3. Next month, we have The Center Seat on History Channel. Movies That Made Us is Netflix. Uh, Center Seat is on History Channel. Uh, that's 10 episodes, the deepest dive ever in the history of Star Trek. And then in December, on the, twi- on the 25th, Christmas Day, as a gift to the world, uh, season four of A Toy Store near you on Amazon. Woo! And I'm Jewish, so I can make that Christmas show. I don't have to say all of those. This is the current slate. What is the future slate? What are the new endeavors that are coming down the line? By the way, Rich, all had a black hair January 1st of this year. True story. Um, well, to say the least, we've expanded into uh, several different outlets. We are now a publisher of books. We are a podcast producer. And we are now a consumer products company. Um, all of those things happened in very quick succession over the past year or so. And um, it's been a, an adventure, but a successful one so far. We have published um, our first uh, slides here. So we'll be working with Mattel to publish a Masters of the Universe Toys That Made Us companion book. That'll be out next year. We heard it here first, New York Comic Con. It's, uh, it's a book in full collaboration with Mattel, so we'll get to dive into their archives and kind of show you guys all sorts of cool bits that we didn't get a chance to... Uh, dive into in the episode. So uh, that's something that we're very excited about bringing out. Uh, we also have our Center Seed companion book to our History Channel series, which will take an even deeper dive and a deep dive that the series does and uh, really kind of get into a lot of the nitty-gritty interviews and the people that we talk to. So that'll be definitely one to look out for uh, very soon. Like how things are beamed up, like that kind of thing? Exactly. Like the science behind it, broken down to like... All of it? Yeah, great. Cool. Uh, staying on the uh, theme of Star Trek, we have our podcast. It's currently airing right now with the illustrious Gates McFadden. It's a conversational podcast where she talks to a lot of her coworkers, and uh, the conversations are actually really remarkable. Um, very, very rewarding. And people who have really no connection to Star Trek have listened to this podcast and really kind of took something away from it. So, highly recommend checking it out um, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, also, we have the Toy Store Near You Companion Podcast with Victoria Bat! Yeah, that is like just a little All the photos and photos. It's just me looking like I need a chai, which I probably did in that photo. Did you send us No, I did not, actually. I did not. It's, it's cute. It's cute. I like it. I mean, yeah, it works for me. 
Um, so if you're a big fan of Toy Story U, which I'm sure you guys are, and you want to hear more about the stories behind the owners who opened those stores and kind of what the process was, not only with their stores, but actually doing their episodes and other fun bits, um, that's where I host the podcast, and it'll be out very soon. So again, please check it out for your podcasts. And we have a comic book coming out soon, our first comic book with Scott Cherry, a.k.a. Barbarian Rage. So if you know Scott, you know he's a, an incredible toy designer. He has a bunch of his own original designs. He's got this really cool kind of D&D sword and sorcery sort of aesthetic to it. And it's also a toy photography book. So all of the comic is staged in his toy photography as well. So that'll be out. Actually, issue one comes out tomorrow, October 8th. So you can grab your uh, issue one of Barbarian Rage on Amazon, Barnes Noble, Target, and uh, anywhere you can get comic books. And uh, we'll be, that'll be an ongoing comic book series with us through our Nacelle Books publishing imprint. Back to Bevan's question. Our yeah. intention is starting in January, maybe February, but Q1 for sure, to have at least one podcast and at least one book come out every month. So that'd be, we got a lot of shit coming your way. Not all, uh, not all barbarian, right? Which is great, by the way. You should buy it tomorrow. <laughs> Uh, speaking of podcasts, we also have oh, oh, what? What? the greatest podcast have you ever heard. Yes, what? you will. What do you mean? It's, it's greater than the, the, it's, the second grade. So, thank it's you. The second grade. Wait, since you're wearing a t shirt, why don't you tell us before the culture? It's for the culture. We talk about everything about toys, about movies, about life, and we put it in the pop culture spin and have cool guests and cool conversations. It's really fun. Really fun. Yes, it's for the culture. It's for the culture. For the people. And uh, finally, we also have our copy of Rack Toys. So if you guys are familiar with Rack Toys, Brian, what's a what's a Rack Toy? A Rack Toy, I worry this audience might not be smart enough to understand this, so I'm going to speak slow. This toy on cardboard is put on a rack. <laughs> Any questions? This guy literally doesn't find a goddamn thing I'm saying for him. <laughs> I'll get you. I'll figure you out. I promise. I promise. <laughs> Captain America jokes? Like those? No. Yeah. <laughs> I'll figure it out. Try a Star Wars one. Um, yes. <laughs> so, Brad Coates is out right now, too. It's a fantastic book by Brian Heiler. It talks about all sorts of cheap, kind of wacky 70s, 60s toys that came out and uh, never really made it to Toys R Us or Katie. But uh, it's a gorgeous book. You can also get that anywhere you get your books. Uh, so please pick up a copy. And uh, last but not least, our consumer products. Uh, we manufacture those. We All of these things that you see here are things that we make. And uh, we decided to uh, partner with independent toy stores across the world to, uh, to be the exclusive first dibs uh, retailers of our consumer products really kind of giving them a showcase and uh, you know a spotlight. Because a lot of times we talk to these stores and they say it's tough for them to compete with the big box stores. So we decided to switch the system and give them the priority on this stuff. So if there's anything here that looks interesting, this is really just a tip of the iceberg. Uh, talk to your local uh, independent collectible store because they're the ones who are going to be able to get it to you. Very impressive. Very, very impressive. But... I want to point out something. You didn't mention any of the new documentaries that are coming out. So I, I'm, I, I got to ask because I'm really, really excited about one in particular. One in, uh, one in particular. So let me, let me know. The one, uh, one about the beating baby? The one about the beating baby. I'm surmising correctly. Yeah, so we, if you may have seen in the, uh, the little video we made 
Our origin was stand-up comedy. To this day, we're the biggest producer of stand-up, at least in America. Uh, that'll give us North America. But um, we're trying now to do the same thing with documentaries in the nostalgia and pop culture space. So again, we're hoping to have released approximately one a month starting in January or February. We have docs now we're doing, you know, about Beanie Babies, uh, the first deep, deep dive into the book and TV series and movies uh, based on it. Uh, I was shown these slides, but it was a while ago and I have a bad memory. Uh, we're doing a doc right now on Margaret Flesh. Uh, she's like the most important person probably in pop culture that you may not have heard of. We actually met her while interviewing her on season three of Toys That Made Us. Uh, we, uh, that's a great COVID response. Uh, because of COVID, uh, that movie didn't come out this year. It's going to come out next year, being directed by uh, Brian Stillman right over there. Brian's in the audience. Stand up but yeah, we got a lot of docs coming out. We got a doc coming out about RoboCop on top of the movies that made us RoboCop. We got a lot of RoboCop coming. So the idea is, speaking just for myself, uh, having grown up, maybe not at the cool table in school, uh, we're making shit for those people back in the day that didn't get a lot of shit like this made. So that's, as it relates to the products we're making, the books, the toys, everything. It's Hasbro's great at what they do. Disney's great at what they do. We're just trying to find our own place doing kind of cool independent stuff that may have gotten forgotten. And cool and independent stuff also means toys. To toys. We are making toys. Yes! That's the longest ass way possible to find a, a way to make them, but we're here now. I think we have a video that might kind of uh, give you guys a teaser as to uh, the first toy that we have coming up. Prototype we've ever made, right? That would be stupid, right? Hey, oh, no, 
you know, I've collected toys my whole life. Like, this is the first time I've actually, and I've been reading and making shows about how they're made. This really is the first time I've actually ever seen it happen. I mean, it's really pretty nuts. Like, there's drawings and everything, and then someone hits the 3D printer, and out pops this ugly thing. This guy right here, David Connor, right next to me, like, it's like, hey, we want to take the bad guy and make a new toy. And he was like, out of his brain. And like, that came out about a month later. So it's like, he took what was the essence. I wish we had the old hundred here, but the old hundred looked like the white guy there, but on a different character, but so meaning kind of shitty and crappy. And then that is literally what popped out of his brain right here. Very cool, very cool. And, and, that. And, and thank you. That was that was really hot. Wait, I wish we did have the whole hundred. And really, what it was is 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 teaching. Yeah, rich. Like the old, the old, um, everything that's cool about not just hundred, but just mobile force in general, and just turning on his ear, like bringing it to the new modern era, and also kind of thinking of of these guys as. They were knocked off by one of the greatest, you know, forces of nature ever, the Transformers, right? So it's like, maybe they're a little bit upset about that. <laughs> you know, and maybe a little chip on the soldier. So that kind of carried on with the, the design aesthetic, the design language, and that's where we are. So, and not only is this the look for Unbit, but it, it really sets a tone for, for Max, for Wrecker, for all the other guys in the fourth. Now, this is an opinion. This really is scoop. <laughs> Nobody, this, this, including me, is, I know it was coming, but I haven't seen it. This is a, really a scoop. This is a part of Max's arm, so you see how massive it is. But, you know, these guys want to be like super, um, just, you know, this is Max's old arm. So this is kind of like before the workout, this is after the workout. steroids, You know, eat your vitamins, say your prayers. <laughs> this is what happens. You know, Robo Mania right here. So, so, but it's really just taking everything that is so, so cool and funny and quirky about these old guys and just bringing it to the 21st century. And that's what we're doing. And, and uh, there's so much fun with not only with these guys, but all the others that are coming down the pipe. Oh, there you go. Take a look. Take, take a look at that. That old match right there. You want to make them look less frightening. <laughs> but it's having a bad day, that day. But yeah, I mean, it means business. It means business. So, like, with, and there's Wrecker again having fun with, with the old aesthetic, the old, um, just, just, just taking it and blasting it out. We just really have a lot of fun with it. So, we're not just doing RoboForce either. We've got another pretty exciting IP that we've recently uh, come into acquired. acquired, if you will. Just one thing to mention, Rich, is like, we're also, like, we've not forgotten the fact that we uh, sell and make television shows. So we, as we're designing the toys, as we're doing all this, in my opinion, extremely fun stuff, uh, we're also packaging all of these shows. So you may have read we're working on Silverhawks with Super 7 and David Gordon Green and some other famous people. We're doing the same thing with RoboForce with some other famous people. Then we package them. Then we sell them, and God willing, at some point next year, the shows will come out, and there won't be so many people scratching their head about why is RoboForce coming back? <laughs> Sorry. No, no, not at all. That's a very important point, because, like you said, uh, all of these are strategic, multi-faceted sort of uh, strategy for, uh, you know... Transmedia-like. Transmedia. Yeah, yeah, transmedia. Yeah, 
So we're doing Power Lords too. So I don't know if you guys remember Power Lords. Yeah, the millennials in the room don't know what Power Lords are. Well, it was a fantastic, uh, I'd say ahead of its time toy line, um, based out of the uh, uh, head of another visionary artist named Wayne Barlow. And now it'll be going through uh, this visionary artist. So. It's so it's so fascinating to kind of if you, if you guys are familiar with Power Lords, if you're not, it's a fascinating foundation. It's a crazy story, and it's like. Immediately, I just got like cosmic horror, you know, just crazy stuff. So, with that, you know, with this great foundation that we have, it's just a launch pad to really let our minds just really go, to take it to places that, you know, originally never even thought of, but now we can just go. So, really having fun with the characters, with the style of the characters, the type of characters, adding new dimensions to them, adding to new characters, it's so much fun. So, is that guy turning blue? He is He's turning blue. Is that one of his like powers? He literally turns blue. Is that his only power? He literally turns blue. Well, I mean, his powers. He's like, this guy is like, you know, Lord Power is like one of the most powerful beings in the universe. You know, I think he has the power to manipulate time, space. And he doesn't need a gun. Well, he none of it. None of it. So, like Dr. Manhattan, a little bit? He has these jewels in his hand. Even more powerful. Then Dr. Manhattan. Even more powerful. Even more. How is one more powerful and fascinating? Yeah, David, did you say <laughs> Because this is power low. Okay. All right. This is the Lord. He's not even the Lord of power. power, so he's not even the He Man. I've got the power. Power. It's more of a. No, it's past. Beyond grace. It's past that. He's the Lord. And I do want to say in front of witnesses, if you know, this doesn't happen, if Bonner is ever found dead in the ditch, Wayne Barlow, you must get an out. If I have the seats, baby, you'll have to Barlow and his family get the money. This is being taped. No, not at all. Those cameras over there, they're not recording. But, you know, Barlow is really cool. I mean, it's I really did think of. Have you guys seen the movie um, Event Horizon? I love that movie, and it's really underrated. And it's crazy, it's creepy, and Power Lords like really reminds me of that. Like Lord Power, Adam Power. Like you see his vascular system, the musculature, and all that, and it's really like you know Hellraiserish. So it's like taking that Hellraiser vibe and also the Event Horizon. With this cosmic storyline, I mean, it's it's in my mind, it's really epic, and I think it could really, really be cool. We really want to take it for toys, for content, for everything. So we're going deep, and it's going to be really, really cool, very fun. Stay tuned. The, st- the famous stay tuned from. If, if you need to stream Event Horizon, the, the, do it. I mean, that movie is a masterpiece. I mean, it is really good. But there's something that's also great too that you have. A great green. Uh, green? No, it's not Hulk. It's not. Oh, it's that guy. Today, tell us about Great Norman. Brian, just tell us about Great Norman. Brian, do a know so much about him. I don't think it's fair to you guys. No, don't be humble. I know nothing. So that was he's out. He's been around. A long Show of hands. How many of you have heard of the Great Norman? Okay, I right, see. There you go. So, um, Greg Garlu, uh, I feel like, did not get enough credit back in the day when he was originally out. So, we are bringing him back as well. And also, to fun fact, Garlu was one of the first giant figures. I mean, 
we're kind of celebrating real big action figures now, you know, but he was kind of one of the first. And he was remote control too. You know, it was like, what, 12 inches, 13 inches tall? He was huge. I mean, and that was like a really big deal back in the day. So uh, to actually play with this character that my my mom and dad used to mess around with is kind of cool. So I'm looking forward to it. And no sour grapes, but uh, Funko was supposed to announce a huge partnership with us today that uh, got pushed to December. So this would have been a lot cooler. Uh, <laughs> well, cool. but, you know what? We'll we'll right? we, need, we, need, we need business when Funko is involved, right? right. But like, out of all of this that's going on, hey, look, there's a podium right there that I just hit. Um, out of all this that's going on, like, what is absolutely next, if that's even possible, Brian, at this point? I am queuing up another slide. Yeah, I mean, our main goal, which has basically been the goal all along, is to just keep moving forward in an organized and profitable way so we can just keep doing what we're doing at a higher, bigger level. So, you know, we started off, you know, you saw it in the, uh, in that, the opening shot of that video. We started off with a, a Nick DiPaolo stand-up special. It was the first thing we ever shot. It was three guys running five cameras, and now... Everything we've done has been based on that. So ideally, now that we're starting to get into the toy business and the animation business and the podcast business and books and all the other businesses, we're not making refrigerators yet, but I'm sure that's coming. But that being said, the idea and our goal is to just keep making cool stuff at higher and higher levels of uh, production value and just, you know, I'll be tapping out when we green light and I'm not even joking. You know, like a $200 million big Star Wars kind of. Not Star Wars. I was misquoted a couple months ago on that. So we're not trying to steal Star Wars from the Disney Corporation. But at some point, we intend to make some big-ass movies like that. And if you ever read about it, uh, you'll know I'll be uh, retiring in probably two years. <laughs> that, that's the goal. I, I, I don't know if I answered the question or not. I was probably giving it ahead of time and I should have an answer. But that's my answer. One more sneak peek, and that is our new Center Seat series on History Channel. So this will be your first one. We had a soft launch last night, but then I didn't say, you're seeing this for the first time. (laughs) saw it before you. I still find gold in my anal various pores. You came on the set, and it was hard not to think that you were on the space station. They were all crap. It was just spectacular. There's an actor who's now out of work. My heart broke. When he came down with a brain tumor, I wanted to send a get-well card to the tumor. I said, I'll be right as long as Gene Roddenberry did not put word on the paper. We are at each other's throats. It was just almost physically impossible for us to generate 26 episodes. I've given up any hope of a marriage, any hope of having a child of my own. Spock dies in the second act? You gotta be kidding me. Well, this doesn't seem to be what we set out to do. You don't leave somebody out while everybody's talking about them. That just pisses them off. I always thought that we were in jeopardy. Yeah, we were in in the original series. Watch out. And when you get what we call spontaneous erections and you're wearing a onesie, they 
often need less money for Star Trek three than Star Trek two. I waved goodbye in the camera. Oh, I think I'm done. I think I have to move on from the show. I said to my agent, get me out of this contract. Get me off the show. I'm just a parent. I'm trying to produce my first motion picture, and I get death threats. He said, we have a problem. Shatter hates the script. Oh, that's it. We're done. We're toast. That's your business, baby. Any question? I know that we laid on a lot. Yes, go for it. Would you like to look at the, at the microphone? Okay, great. Good job. I love the theater. Um, I loved uh, when you appeared on Warriors Trexpert's podcast. It's been awesome. I love your insight into the voice. So I'm wondering about this 55 year production you've got. If you can tell us a little bit about how you got started in it and what your intentions were. Um, we got started because I love Star Trek. Actually, I have one for such reason. Um, we got into it because I love Star Trek. We pitched it everywhere. We pitched it to CBS. Unfortunately, they didn't want it. Luckily, um, we produced another show called Down to Earth with Zach Efron. And through making that show, we figured out how to make our own shows and sell them after the fact. So it didn't take 55 years to make the show. It kind of felt that way. Um, but we basically... Because of all the relationships we now have with, you know, we, first of all, we kind of know how to make shows like this, which before Toys had made us, we didn't, at least in a systematic way. But we also had relationships because, and I know I shouldn't bring this up, but we actually also made the 50th year of Star Trek for History Channel. It was a one-off. Um, the reason I always kind of joke I shouldn't bring it up is uh, we... Uh, Maybe it's not the thing I'm the most proud of. Uh, we had to make a lot of compromises. In fact, a lot of what you'll see, even in the Toys That Made Us episode about Star Trek toys, is what the 50, like, for example, like, I, my whole life, like, since I was, like, 10, thought it was insane that Lucille Ball gets, like, no credit for Star Trek. Like, none. And, like, there's no Star Trek without her. As important as Gene Roddenberry is, there's no Star Trek without her. Like, it would have been a cool script on this guy named Jean's shelf when he got it without her. So a lot of what you could see in the Star Trek episode of Toys That Made Us, we extrapolated on because we had a lot more time in this show. Just using that as one example. So it, from the get-go, every ep- first of all, half the episodes we did, there's never been a doc on that topic. We made the first doc on the animated series we made the first doc on Voyager. Yes, I know there's another one coming. But we beat them. <laughs> uh, we did the first doc on Enterprise. We did the first real doc on Phase 2. So a lot of it's that, but I'm a huge Ken Burns fan, and I'm, I have point oh 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 one percent of the talent that that dude does. But the attempt was, getting back to your question, to make the Ken Burns version of a Ken Burns doc for Star Trek. And I believe you might have Yeah, this is sort of a down-the-line question. Um, if, if, all of, if you were a toy, what accessory do you come back? Ooh. <laughs> well, I've been three, so I didn't tell you the accessories that I have. Actually, I've got a couple. Yes, he actually, I think. But I've been three, you guys. I've been toys three times. 
Actually, four. Oh, David, what toys have you been? Yeah, come on. I've been war machine, so I actually came with Galactus's leg, a very big leg. And I was war machine again for the Iron Man 3 line, and he came with a little gun in the extra head. And I was a a mercenary in the Jurassic Park line, came with some type of creature, I don't even know. But I was also the inspiration behind um, Mattel's kind of genderless line, where it could be from you know, one gender to the next and everything. So I had like some nice curly hair. And I was another one. I can't forget. That's really bad. That's what he told you can't <laughs> But there's a fifth one. I can't remember. Oh, a knockoff. Some company knocked me off. <laughs> That's what it is. I'm actually a bootleg figure. Some company knocked me off. They took the head for the Jurassic Park figure and made it to some kind of starfighter guy. So, you know, I need to check for that. <laughs> I do you want to say that the Dave Honor Jurassic World figure I actually own and it's on my shelf and it's getting devoured by the Lothosaurus. Uh, yeah, that's what it is. I, listen, hey, I went to art school. <laughs> do you have any stories? No, divorce wipes you out. <laughs> my ex wife got a lot of stuff. But, <laughs> or the trash man or the fire pit, however you want to, you know, slice it. But if you guys. Do come across any of that stuff. Please donate it to myself or my kids. <laughs> People like to partake in it. My family like to have a figure with me. So, yeah. And that's another thing. Actually, you know, I gave away a lot of the figures that I don't have any. Like my parents wanted some, you know, relatives who I never spoke to before, you know, relatives, everyone. So I don't have anything. I have nothing of me. But that's it. <laughs> Uh, I would come with my dog. Does that count? He has a very cool dog. Yeah, that counts. Okay. And then my dog, Brian. Can a vehicle be an accessory? There you go. I'll use the monitor and There you go. When I turned 40, the company very nicely had a figure made of me. And that figure came with our uh, EX3. So our entire, all those comedy specials we made a hundred years ago were shot on the greatest camera ever made. It was something called an EX3. And I'm sorry for getting too into weeds of her. Are you familiar with uh, are you familiar with this thing called Star Trek? <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever heard of it? No, no. Okay, alright. Well there's there's this thing they used to do where they would put the ships on the wall, sorry, uh, and then paint them gold. So we've done that at our office. So whenever we have a camera that dies, we paint it gold. You thought you were tricky? That's a fucking trick room. <laughs> but so the accessory that the company made of me was a gold EX3. So. Nice. <laughs> Didn't expect that. <laughs> what about the accessory of choice? If you guys were making toys of yourselves right now, would it still be the same accessory? Because David had five made, and I don't think you had any say in your accessories, right? No, but I would like to go with a battery. Battery? Yeah. battery? I love that. Face platform. So probably a D battery. A D battery. I want to come with a D battery. <laughs> 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 
But I did. Next question. <laughs> I set out a phase plasma rifle in a 40 watt range. That oh, wow, that's a good answer. Hey, pal, only what you see. I'm <laughs> 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 done. I'm <laughs> done. Anybody else have some questions? Yes. Yes, if you saw the radical thing we did where he still has the suction cups. But He's not really okay, okay, I'm not confusing my toys. I would never do that, right? Never, ever. Uh, but no, we're doing a similar thing where it was very important to us to keep the, the, the soul of the robo course with the suction cups, but also, I don't know, let them walk. So let them kick shit. So we're doing the same thing with Power Lords. So we'll be respectful of their heritage, but they're also going to be, I don't know, complaining. <laughs> Trying to do the best of both worlds. But we saw, we've also grown up to, like, you know, we think it's going to be different. We've grown up. Some. We've gotten big. That's just it. Until I retire. That one actually steps on three massive companies we're already in business with. So we'll make it for you. I, yeah, I don't know if we can really tell that because, like, this, like the statute of limitations is <laughs> I mean, the story that you don't know <laughs> while wow, lives, wives, and families are in jeopardy. So. <laughs> Oh yeah, it's like it's like good folks. It's more like that. <laughs> but it's all true. It's all true. One day. 2039, 2040. <laughs> stay with us. I will stay Whatever you heard is probably true. I'll say that. But he can either confirm nor deny. I can't. <laughs> uh, do we have we have time for at least two more questions? Aha, yes, ma'am. All right, I have um, two questions about the the TV show about the movies. Is there an ETA for a new season? And is there like a master list of movies that you would like to do? Um, so movies that made a season three, which might be confusing to people, at least in my mind, it is season four, but Netflix is the boss, it's their money. Um, and they're also the greatest company in the world. Uh, that is October 12th. Uh, and we absolutely have a master list, uh, that we work off of every time we're blessed enough to get a green light for more seasons. Any mind? No. I believe we have, it is. we have one more question. Yes. 
The whole premise of Stay Tuned came up with because of that question. So, and I'm not trying to be an asshole, it's just like we make it for Netflix. So, Netflix, and again, I cannot stress enough, I've never worked with a better company. They are wonderful. I mean, beyond wonderful. My company within Reed, no, we would not be here right now without them. So, the fact that they let us make toys that made us. The fact that they let me direct the season three, I didn't direct the goddamn thing at that point since college. Like, they're the best. But, they're a big old fucking company. So, there are a lot of things like A to B to C to D that will get us to a green light. And we're in that process now. But it, it's, it's a very simple and a very logical and a very fair question with a bonkersly long answer. But we definitely get people on our socials asking about toys and minutes, probably at least once a week, if not more. One of them is probably me, I'm gonna be honest, guys. I'm waiting yeah. for Batman. You post a picture of an orange. Wins more toys and minutes, guys. Yeah. Which is a nice orange. Where's season four? Which is the best compliments, really? Yeah, it's always completely. Like I said, we made a lot of stuff that we didn't fuck about for years. <laughs> so, talking about you showing that little planet we shouldn't have made. Um, <laughs> Yes, we're, we are, I, I predict something will happen. And I predict most people, everyone, if it happens, will be very happy. So yeah. stay, stay tuned. Stay tuned. But also be sure to follow them on their social channels for all updates and announcements, which is the Cell Company on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. Right? And then if you want to follow these guys, because they also announce all of them. Rich, can we go down the line and give our social handles? Uh, I'm Adina Misper Cameron on Instagram um, and Twitter. And I am David Bond of just everything. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. TikTok? Yup. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> everything. Dave loves TikTok. Face, face, all that stuff. Brian Weiss, uh, pretty much uh, Instagram and Facebook. Excellent. You guys, thank you so much for coming thank out to our Thank you so much for coming. Appreciate it so much. Stay tuned, please. And that was our chat with Brian Volkweiss and a look at some moments from his NYCC 2021 panel. So at the very least now, you get a little bit of an idea of why I had to miss a week or two on this show because there was a lot going on that weekend. And one more very important reminder, the center seat airs November 5th at 10 p.m. Eastern on the History Channel, which is where the first four episodes are going to be available. And then the final six episodes in the 10-part series will only be available on the History Channel's streaming platform, The History Vault which you can subscribe to for $4.99 a month or $49.99 a year. So go ahead and check them out if you want to see all the episodes of The Center Seat. And thank you again to Brian for telling us so much about what the Cell Company is working on. And really, I am super excited for them going into cartoons and toys. There is a lot of really, really awesome stuff from the Cell Company on the way. And I'm pretty sure this won't be the last time we have Brian on the show. That's it for this week's episode of Trek Untold. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Trek Untold, which is just one word in all those platforms. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or any of those other locations, please leave a positive review and a five-star rating if you can to help show other listeners how much you like this podcast and spread the word. If you're watching this on YouTube, please like the video, leave a comment, and subscribe to our channel at youtube.com slash nerdnewstoday. If you're enjoying Trek Untold and in a position to financially support the show, I hope you consider being one of our Patreon supporters by visiting patreon.com slash trekuntold, where you can help us out for as low as $2 a month and get some pretty sweet perks. 
Shout out once again to Triple Fiction Productions, who you can check out at triple-fictionproductions.net. If you're a collector of Star Trek toys in any size or scale or enjoy prop replicas, you're going to love the quality of their 3D printed products, and I'm sure you will be a repeat customer. If you have any comments, feedback, or suggestions for future guests, send an email to me at trekuntold at gmail.com. I hope you'll beam up again with us next week for another episode of Trek Untold. So until then, I'm Matthew. Thanks for listening. And remember, fortune favors the bold. Trek Untold is sponsored by treksphere.com. Promoting fan-produced Star Trek content in all forms is powered by the RageWorks Podcasting Network and is affiliated with Nerd News Today. 